Craft Beer Radio, episode 379, on April 30th, 2016. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jeff. And this is our show. We drink beer. So We do. That's the thing we do on this show. We have a bunch of uh, beers in front of us. Let's get started. Nut Brown? Nut Brown. Ale Smith Nut Brown. This is 5% alcohol by volume, 17 IBUs. And that's all the information they put on their page that's interesting. Alrighty. Improves with age, no. <laughs> Drink this fresh. Pick this beer up at the grocery store. As I told Greg, I picked up a bunch of shelf turds for the show. Yes, we, we've been, you know, doing uh, doing some whales in the, <laughs> the last couple of shows. So we figured let's go with uh, just stuff that you pick up. Yeah, and they're right. not sl- they're not slouches. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I'm using shelf turds in a loving manner for right. sure. All right, so this is the Nut Brown from Alesmith. I've never had this beer before. Not you know, Alesmith's only been in Pittsburgh for I don't know six eight months now. Mm-hmm. And we've had a few other beers shipped in, you know, otherwise, but never the Nut Brown. Has kind of a reddish highlight to it. It's pretty clear, dark brown, kind of uh, like a dark iced tea color. Aroma is nice. It's a it's a mix of ro- light roast. You're getting some some toffee, some caramel. Has a really malty aroma that is pretty engaging, actually. I don't have anything to add. Muffins. Kind of a... Maybe a little bit of pancake. Okay. Actually, I did the twist the glass, you know, tilt the glass till the beer is almost spilling out the lip and then rotate the glass so it coats the glass. That makes it hoppier. You can actually smell the hops that more. The first sniff, I really wasn't smelling the hops. So now I'm smelling... It's kind of an earthy hop, you know, kind of like a... EKG Fuggles type treatment to the beer, but it is an English Nut Brown, right? So that's pretty much what you would expect. Yeah, it says under Nut Brown on the label, it says English mm. style ale. So it should be what they're going for. Um, the, some of the slight hopping comes through in the flavor because there's a lot of maltiness, obviously, and they're going for uh, kind of a. I guess an obvious would go towards a little bit of maybe walnut macadamia in that okay. sort of area. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of roasted background. It's almost, it's it's bearing on a porter a bit just because of there is a, mm-hmm. a good amount of roastiness and, and a bit of astringency there. Yeah, it has um, nuttiness. It sure comes through. Macadamia is a good call. A light hazelnut I'm getting in there. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the other thing that really hooked me on that first sip was kind of how the creamy mouthfeel. Like, it almost had kind of a cask beer type mouthfeel to it. It's pretty lightly carbonated, mm-hmm. has a nice body and creaminess to it. And uh, the first sip was really hitting the marks for English-style ale. Yeah. Everything in it really is right where I would expect it to be. Yeah, malt forward, the hops are are doing a very good job of balancing it without... Really calling attention yeah, they're not to jumping in front or anything. They're they're playing nice with others, and uh, this is really good. Yeah, it's very well done. Mm. Very clean. You can sort of 
you can taste how how clean it is. How mm-hmm. um, we just had the Sonoma Prize in the pre-show. Those were we we love them, but they were dirty beers in this. In, yeah. in there, <laughs> they yeah. have a lot of the, stuff in them. Remember, we did the Sonoma Prize on re- recent shows. Well, we just kind of had the orphans mm-hmm. uh, in the pre-show today, and uh, the one was still pretty. The other one got kind of flat. I guess the seal wasn't quite tight. It must have been the one with the Joey. I'm starting to get more hop flavor as I'm working through this sample, but it definitely is coming across like an EKG type treatment for it. Yes. And we don't know what's in there, but it certainly has that kind of earthy flavor. It's not too grassy, not citrusy at all. It. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was chocolate malt used in this. Yeah, I think there's probably a touch. So there's a lot of news stories that we actually... <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. bunch of them. Um, I I kind of want to address the newest one first because sure. I, I think it's it's very interesting. This is Greg Cook's uh, Greg Cook from uh, Stone is making a what he calls a platform called True Craft. Now, if you look through this, what it is is it's simply uh, another consolidation. It's well, it's. It's an investment fund mm-hmm. type thing, or a firm, investment firm, I guess. Difference is, by design, he's not acquiring a majority stake in the company. Okay. Where all the other consolidations we've seen are been people generally acquiring majority stakes, you know, and being big companies. He, he says in the description, you know, that he wanted to provide another option for breweries who, you know, either you stay indie mm-hmm. with your own funding and fight or you sell out to the big guys or you sell out to the guys like Oscar Blues, Southern Tier Victory in his, you know, in true Greg Cook fashion, you know, he's going to stick it to any kind of authority. It seems like he can, right? Even if it's a good authority. Yeah. And so, I mean, so the twist here is it looks like he does not want to acquire, or this firm does not want to acquire majority stakes. They just want to be minority investors in the breweries and get, you know, basically right. provide capital. So the twist is that, that he's not going to controlling, but he will be profiting. Uh, so it's, uh, you're still a shareholder, right? Yeah, I mean, you still have influence. You're just not the controlling influence. Right. So it's, it's marketing speak, if, if you ask me, the, the, okay. to call it anything other than another form of consolidation. Now, it's different in different terms than the other forms of consolidation, sure. but it's just another consolidation technique. Right. Well, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's trying to hide this that. I think he's trying to give, you know, what some brewers may see a better option right. than selling out to Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, I still I don't know. I that. don't know how far hundred million dollars is going to go when you know they're dropping a big B on 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 uh, Ballast Point. You know. Yeah, that's true. It, it's obviously for smaller things, but uh, you know, the deal is that either if you're going to grow, well, you either consume more stuff or you spread yourself out more. Uh, so you 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 if you could if you consume more stuff, you get bigger that way. But you're slow to move. If you spread yourself out more, you're less dense and you have less control. Mm-hmm. But you are spread out more and you can move quickly. It's it's an interesting technique. And like you said, $100 million is not going to attract the gigantic 
you know the big the, the big brewers who have better things right better options but a small brewer you know maybe they make 20,000 a scarcity type brewer right? yeah might have liked an option you know where they didn't give up majority stake you know they ended up going with Oscar Blues as um was a firehouse capital or whatever it is uh instead of Anheuser-Busch because that deal fell through but i mean they were they were committed to Anheuser-Busch if the deal had been um executed in time yeah i mean i think it i think it's just another option but um, I, I just don't want people to look at this like it's the Brewers Association. I mean, this is not a lobbying, a nonprofit right. lobbying company. No, no, absolutely company. not. So it's a different thing. Uh, it, it, it is still business, but it's you know it, it's a it's a lighter form of of the business touch, <laughs> I guess. But it's still, it still it still ultimately comes down to the same thing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, I just think Greg wanted to provide. Sure, he wants to make money too, but I think he wanted to provide a different option. It's an easy out for yeah. some people. They, yeah. can, they can say we're, oh, you know, we're taking money, but we're taking money from. It's not really an out though, right? Because you're still. Well, it's an easy out in terms of you need you need money to expand. I think it's access to capital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an easy way to get access to capital without offending uh, your your big fans. Yeah, if, if Greg Cook's running it, it can't be called selling out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, this is marketing speak as uh, much was, as any was other. Was my must my sarcasm? Thick I, enough I think so. I okay. hope so. I just want to make sure it was. Uh, you know, it, it came through to me, but of course, I was looking right at you. Uh, yes, it's harder to. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. want anyone to think that was a, a sincere statement. Yeah. I res- I like Greg. I respect Greg. But you of course, know, saying that saying that taking that money is. A different, not selling out compared to taking different kinds of right. money is, is really a stretch. It is a big stretch. It is it is as much marketing speak as any other stuff that I have always on the show mm-hmm. tried to avoid. So, but I, I did find it a very interesting story, nonetheless. Right. Let's move on. All right. Bell's Brewery makes a beer called Midwestern Pale Ale. Sounds like a shelf turd if I have ever heard of one, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, other than a beer called an amber. Yeah, it's one of those that you you skip, right? Because generally oh, we're gonna get their IPA or we're gonna get this or that and Yeah, generally. But that doesn't mean it's not good. So I was at Penn Brewery this week. Mm-hmm. It, you know, this is this is a tie into the beers you skip. I was at Penn Brewery this week and they still have a bunch of Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week beers on special, right? So there's this sour hoppy beer, there's this um passion fruit goza, there's all these like interesting like hotness beers and then like and, and then they have pen bites in and you know all this stuff in the very bottom of the board in the corner it just says apa mm-hmm. and it's like i wanted to like ask them like how much apa do you guys sell because yeah. you are not marketing it right <laughs> <laughs> just putting a little apa there compared to big boots you know passion fruit goza and things like that 5.2 percent alcohol by volume they call it, they give it a six-month shelf life. Uh, not much information about the beer besides that uh, they wanted to stand apart from hop-dominated pale ales. This was packaged on November 3rd, so it's towards the end of its life. Hmm. Has an orange It's almost color. exactly at the end of its life. Yeah. With about a... Well, half fingers worth of 
It's a little bit fluffy here that's gone down some. Grassy, slightly citrusy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not too much hop aroma there. It'd be interesting. I mean, since it is almost exactly six months old, I guess it does qualify as a shelf turd. <laughs> right? I mean, well, now you're confusing me because I thought the shelf turd was simply that you'd pass it by, and now you're saying it's a shelf turd because it also is old. I, don't... Well, I mean, it literally sits on the shelf for six months, right? So, uh, so, so it's another aspect. So it's like, it, yeah, it's another aspect of. <laughs> I see. So on the grass, it's, of it's shelf, a, it's of a, shelf du- it's a dusty shelf turd. Yeah, oh, there you go. The light hopping on it. Um, not sure how much of that is six months and how much of that is the beer normally. Mostly mold on the aroma, like you said, a grassiness, a little bit of biscuit. It's an old school, old school pale ale, right? I mean, it on today's palate, it does not seem very hoppy. It almost yeah. seems it seems malty, but I mean, there's some hops in there. Has a very dry finish. It it does feel like. Hmm. <laughs> I have another sip here. I'm getting like. I can't, I can't, when I go to look for it, I can't find it. But then, incidentally, I'm getting little sniffs of, like, light striking on here. But but when I try to smell for skunk, I don't. It's very basic. Uh, it, it comes across with, you know, yeah, like you said, compared to a panel you're going to get from most places Mm -hmm. it's very very uh toned down you know i'm enjoying i'm enjoying well well, you know think of the scenarios like this is a hot day you know cutting the grass you know this is is a fine example to Mm -hmm. to drink you know it's definitely this is a little dry for it to be yeah to be that i don't know i find a little bit of thirst quenching in there i find it um Passable, uh, you know, this is the worst place to showcase a beer like this. Yeah, and an analytical show where we're focusing just on this beer. That's typically not the target market for Midwestern pale ale. It also has some age on it. It, made, it mm-hmm. might be a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, for a fresh one. Yeah. Try that. So there's a story. Um, I saw this on Facebook. Lou Bryson retweeted it. There mm-hmm. was a story that was on the Thrillist that actually won a James Beard Award for for reporting. Really? It sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I, I I'm not very familiar with Thrillist, so I, the only it's the only, only the clickbait yeah. bullshit, right? And well, I guess it's like BuzzFeed, right? They have a whole lot of click. Clickbait bullshit, but then they also have like a an actual news. I mean, so I mean, it just tells me there's actually someone using the platform to mm-hmm. to publish something they really want to publish. So there's this story about um, there are almost no black people in craft beer, and here's why. And I tweeted it out the other day. Um, so go check my uh, at Jeff Bear Twitter feed. It's a really good story. Has a lot of details. Um, and like I said, it, you know, it won an award. So it's the only article worth reading I've ever seen on Thrillist. Hmm. 
I don't really have a summary handy, but uh... one of the things that that we've noticed uh, going to things like Saber and the Remake Computer Fest is that minorities have come into they're they're more visible. What you what we saw that really encouraged us most was that it was almost like fifty percent women the last mm-hmm. Saber we went to. Last couple, actually, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the the gender gap has closed significantly. Yeah. I don't think that the uh, racial gap in craft beer has closed nearly as much. No, not not time. nearly as much. But they're, they show up more often, but that, that is to be expected with, as something gets more popular. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not egalitarian <laughs> fully. It doesn't feel like... Uh, so here's, I mean, the, so the the BA has stats on consumption. They didn't have stats on like employment, like how many yeah. black brewers there were, things like that. That they covered that early on. But just for example, for consumption, um, black drinkers are eleven point two percent of the population, but they only consume three point seven percent of craft beer of the craft beer, whereas um, white drinkers are eighty percent. Of the population, or no, that's, that's no, no, eighty percent right. of craft beer is drank by white drinkers, and that's sixty percent of the population. Huh. And um, I think there was a little note in here about Asians, where they're like kind of an anomalous. I thought it'd be like a spike down because of you know the a lot of Asians have the alcohol tol- like process, they, like they get drunk really easy type thing, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is with the enzymes, and. Um, Actually, it's, it's a spike up. So uh, I don't see it here in the same paragraph. I'm not sure where that was. White people. Yeah, white people. <laughs> but there's a lot of different things in here. Uh, they talk about pro post-prohibition and racism and how that might have set, how that set things back. Um, and they do make the kind of the connection that you know there's probably not a lot of people working at black black people brewing or working in craft beer Mm -hmm. because well most of the brewers you know work started out as craft drinkers and since there's less it's like the talent pool smaller right you know the the natural progression is from craft beer enthusiast Mm -hmm. into brewer and since there's not as many blacks drinking beer there's not many gonna make that jump to the professional ranks there's not there's not a lot of pressure to yeah the funnel the funnel's not there so, I mean, that that's a kind of, in hindsight, obvious um, explanation. And there's a lot more nuance to this article. So go check it out. It's really good. So we just finished the Midwestern Pale Ale from Bells, which was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But um, it it fit the description of, uh, it, fit the, it fit the bias of what you might consider a shelter very cl- closely. Would you call it a flyover beer? <laughs> <laughs> very good very yes. good alright so now we're getting hoppy let's do this wheat one first huh? alright boulder be- oh uh, oh, I'm sorry oh, we can do the boulder because this one has fruit and stuff okay. in it. Yeah. so we're not doing the wheat we're doing boulder boulder beer has a beer called emergent 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 white IPA 6.1% alcohol va- <laughs> I'm just gonna Lie back here. All right, you take a nap. I'll, I'll handle this one. <laughs> Six point whatever percent. Bye-bye. 55 IVUs. The malts that are used are pale and wheat. 
Melts and Hops Nugget and Cascade. This is on the label as a white IPA. So they add coriander and they use a Belgian yeast. Okay. And it's called Emergent because there's flowers on the label, so it's the you know the breaking of spring. That's the theme. Ah, I see. There is just straw towards golden color, about two fingers worth of a very fluffy head. So the Belgian yeast is doing its Belgian yeasty stuff. Aroma is very floral. There's coriander in there. There's something a little bit in addition to the coriander that I'm picking up on the nose. That I want to say I wanted to say lavender, but that's not right. It's not that perfumey. Maybe it's just the wheat. I think it's just the wheat. Wheat, the spiciness yeah. of the wheat in there. It also, I think it's the wheat and the coriander as well. But like I was going to say, I think it, it almost smells a little Brett, Brett um, Britannomyces in there. You know, like a little bit, a little bit um, funky. But I think again, it's just the I coriander. I think it's just the wheat. yeah, the wheat. This is making me think though, just smelling this and having the taste of the mid, Midwestern pale ale. If you added rye to that Midwestern pale ale, that it might really bring out okay. something interesting. It could, yeah. There's a lot of things you could do to that beer to make it yeah. more interesting. Yeah. It, it very much feels like a, a base beer to play with. I, I think it's... It's fine. It's a fine, yeah. non-committal, lightweight beer. You know, you don't want to focus all your time on it because mm-hmm. you might not have a lot to say. But anyway, back to the emergent. Lots of spicy flavors on this thing. You're getting the coriander. You're getting some spicy wheat. It this, uh, The Belgian yeast is definitely putting some uh, kind of like a... Yeah, I guess there's something. There's things that are along the lines of like a Hougarden type flavor in this beer. Sure. But then there's the hopping as well, right? Yeah. It it actually reminds me of Raging Bitch a lot. Mm. Raging Bitch is. Uh, Flag Dog. It Belgio is. IPA. I think of that one. Maybe I haven't had it in a while, but I think of that one more like a, a Belgian triple, you know, as opposed to a whip beer. I mean, it, but, it's not a whip beer. It, it, yeah. It's definitely not. But the, the way the. Yeast is contributing to the beer. Actually, the late aftertaste yeah. does finish. Mm-hmm. The bitterness combined combined with the estery and pepperiness yeah. that you get from the yeast definitely reminds you at the very end uh, of that kind of beer. I haven't really gone... I haven't had a lot of white IPAs recently. I haven't had a lot of Belgio IPAs recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently went to Brew Gentleman for the first time. That was good stuff. Yeah. That was very, very good. Yes. They are making some really good beer. I don't make it there nearly enough. Yeah. I was at Voodoo, and Voodoo was okay. And then I got there, and it was like, whoa, it was next level. Yeah. Yes. I wish it was not such a pain to get mm-hmm. to. From All here. the way in Braddock. From, especially from here. From, from Cranberry, it's even worse. Yeah. I'm enjoying this. I could probably actually use more hopping. You know, it, the hops are kind of only playing like kind of right. a bittering uh, function towards the end. I'm not noticing any kind. Of, when I see when I see white IPA, I'm expecting some of the hop flavors to play in with the wheat. You know, and they may or may not have coriander, but um, 
yeah, in terms of your expectations, it feels more like a white pale as opposed to, you know, I mean, it's more hop than the Midwestern pale. Sure, sure. But it doesn't feel like... But like Raging Bitch, you already yeah, said, right? I mean, yeah. you definitely get a nice, juicy, saturated hop flavor mm-hmm. up front. And, and this one kind of goes straight into the the more Belgian character. It's decent. I would like to see a little more hopping up front. We have more. We have more news, right? We have more news. Yes, craft brewery makes beer from belly button lit fluff. <laughs> the seven cent brewery in Gisborne, South Victoria, has cut the cord on the latest beer. It's been brewed from the navel fluff of its creators. They basically just got a strand of yeast and and uh, and took that uh-huh. and made it into a beer. I know it, it sounds. Some people think that that's gross. It's really it, it's no grosser than where the other yeast came from that you typically find in a beer. So uh, I don't know yeast on grape skins versus yeast on belly buttons. There's a di- there's a different grossness there. Once you isolate the yeast out, what what's the oh, difference? Sure. No, no, I'm just, you just said it's no different. I'm saying there's a, there's a, and you, and you use the word gross, and there's a grossness there is all I'm saying. Well, okay. If they were to have, have taken belly button lint and thrown it into. That's even grosser. Yeah, that'd be gross. <laughs> but who knows where, like, I had to bring up the Sonoma Pride again, but they talked about, um, oh. Their wild domesticated yeast, right? Mm-hmm. And who knows where they got some of that stuff from, right? Yeah, I mean, you're gonna propagate it several generations, so any uh, remnant of the grossness mm-hmm. is vastly reduced, if right. not removed completely. So just think about that when you're drinking beard beer or belly button beer. I mean, just just remember that every beer you drink is going it it is the biological waste product of a fungus funguses aren't as gross as humans no not nearly exactly <laughs> not anywhere that, near that's why as, yeah. fungus grows on humans is extra gross mm-hmm. that's all true all right so the next beer is from southern tier brewing it's an imperial wheat ale called three citrus peel out They put a bunch of, uh, okay, they use blood orange juice and then grapefruit tangerine peels and natural grapefruit flavor added. Uh, 35% of it is wheat. Uh, they use CTZ and Mosaic hops. 8.5% alcohol by volume. And... Seasonal beginning in April. So this has just just been released this month. Yes, sir. Southern Tier will be one of Pittsburgh's newest breweries coming soon. They're opening a brew house on the North Shore. Interesting. This is the first time I've seen this uh, in, in the description. Enjoy straight up or serve on the rocks with soda and wedge of fresh fruit. Okay. Beer cocktails. Yeah. I used to be militantly against things we like that. We both did, yeah. And, and then I've come around. Oh, know, yeah. That, there's beer mosses, you know, take do. a Pilsner and orange juice, like a Prima Pilsner and OJ. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, I haven't really mixed a beer or soda water 
you know, yes. But I don't see why that would be bad. Oh, you know what? I forgot this. When I was in Tucson, I had a Clamato. Mm-hmm. Like a, a real, an actual, like, okay. legitimate Clamato, which is basically, I mean, it, it's uh, tomato juice and clam juice and um, and a Pilsner or okay. something like that. And it was, it was okay. It was a little weird. Um, I know when you, the thing that comes to mind is people say clam juice, ill, but then you think about it. Bloody Mary, one of the big ingredients is Worcestershire sauce, which is anchovy juice. Okay. So, right. It's it's a you know it's the same basic idea. Okay. Uh, it was a little bit of an acquired taste. I didn't have a second one, but it was interesting to have it, and I, I could see how you could get into it. So, especially well, think of the era where it was invented, right? Yeah. Where beers did not taste like these beers, right? So you know if you like. The acidity of the tomatoes and the the funkiness of the clam. What's clam? Salty clam juice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I could definitely see how. Yeah, it's a good cocktail. And instead of using soda water, put beer in there. Right. Uh, this thing is this is fruit juice in in a beer. Right. I mean, remember when we had the six point rad? How surprised yes. we were. Yeah. This is very similar to that. I took one sip and it's like juice, juice, juice. So I could definitely see kind of cutting this a little bit of soda water and making a cocktail out of it. Uh, it's not super carbonated either, so that might give it more fizz. Yeah, it's a, it's a light gold and... It smells a lot like of tangerines yeah. and grapefruit. That's what it smells like. It smells like a tangerine grapefruit, like a, you know, a, one of those blended juice drink things. Mm-hmm. Flavor is much the same as yeah. the aroma. The it it's a very basic beer underneath it. This little a uh, kind of slight like crackery, like oyster cracker mm-hmm. right. uh, kind of flavor. But yeah, then there's a lot of fruit, a lot of fruit uh, oil. Yeah. So I can see how yeah, it would work as sort of an addition to a cocktail. You can yeah. kind of make this into an old fashioned or something. Yeah, there's you, a big tartness to it. Um. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see it would work. You know, I don't want to spend the whole time imagining what that cocktail would taste like. I'm going to go back to what we're actually drinking here. Really good use of the citrus and juice. I mean, if you want something that's like over the top tangerine mm-hmm. grapefruit, uh, this is it. If you want something that's more beer like, you want to taste the barley more, you want to taste some hops, this might not be for you. But I mean, the actual flavors in my mouth are quite enjoyable. They're, uh, you know, I think it's pretty good. So they use over four and a half pounds per barrel of grapefruit and tangerine peels, and then they ferment with blood orange juice concentrate. Interesting. I mean, basically, they took the, the new hotness in citrus IPAs and just took it to the extreme, right? Yeah. Oh, the interesting thing is, you know, this is a wheat ale, but look how clear it is. Yes. So it must be put through a centrifuge. Mm-hmm. It's crystal clear. Yeah. You don't see wheat beers like that very often. Speaking of other shelters, I just had recently um, New Belgium's uh, gluten-free Okay. Uh, IPA. It was pretty good. It, it, it wasn't totally gluten-free because they use grains that make it's it's one of those new ones that use grains that make gluten but they use a process to get rid of the gluten right. afterwards 
Uh, so you don't have to worry about the weird like the weird green taste that you got from some of the other yeah the sorghum stuff. Interesting. Um, I haven't seen that one. I know they put a couple out recently. I oh I had their um, the the two weeks ago when we had to cancel because I drank too much. One of the beers I had was their blackberry barley wine. That was really good. Mm. Blackberry. I barley think it was wine. a lips of faith blackberry barley wine. I could see how that would work. So it had some funk to it as well. You can cue up the tunes if you want. Oh yes. So. uh... You got the Pavlovian response, right? You're already starting. You open the new tab in your browser and you're doing am- craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon to get your weekly fix of Amazon shopping. Doesn't cost you a penny more, but if you start your shopping session with craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon, we get the referral kick in there and uh, you get about six, six and a half percent of what you spend instead of it all going to Amazon. Look what I bought on Amazon. I bought a new band a, a new band for my watch nice. so just the kind of thing you can do you can get anything I uh got like a bunch of things in my shopping cart that I need to like I'm, I'm trying to like decide like I was going to pick up I'm playing soccer at lunch and I want just want to get a decent soccer ball but it's really hard to shop for soccer balls on Amazon because it's difficult to tell I don't want like I want one that's better than crappy but I also don't want to pay too much so it's kind of the thing you got to touch the ball. So yeah, yeah. I might actually, it might be something that's better to buy offline than online. All right. So this is Three Citrus Peel Out again from Southern Tier. Interesting name. I, I get the peel out. Right. I get the Three Citrus Peel seems like uh, they really didn't try the hardest with the name. Though. Yeah, let's feel like, what are we going to call this beer? Uh, what is it? Oh, three, citrus peel. Peel out. out. Okay, we're done. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like they didn't really try their hardest. Hmm. So. Final beer. Final beer. Double IPA from Heavy Seas, or Double Cannon. Got this from the Heavy Seas rep during Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week. And, you know, I was talking with him, you know, and I like giving people feedback and talking about my impressions of the breweries. And I kind of mentioned that, you know, I, when I think of Heavy Seas, I think of English style. I think of Clipper City. I think of the English style beers mm-hmm. that they did well. And, you know, he, I wouldn't say take offense, but, you know, he kind of checked me on that. Like, you know, make, you know, have you tried our hoppy beers lately? You know, and I'm like, no, good point. You know, I'm glad I had this conversation. I'm glad mm-hmm. that you checked me on this so I can reevaluate. So here we're going with the double cannon. We're gonna So this is loose cannon is their single IPA, I believe, and so this is their double cannon. Uh nine point five percent occupy volume, ninety IBUs. Hops would use Chinook, Simcoe, and Cascade. This could be a dank one. Two row Munich and Caramalt malts. Two row Munich and caramel. Okay, and so it still sounds like it's going to be like a malt forward. Yeah, IPA, it feels right? like... so it doesn't sound like he's bucking my expectation from mm. the ingredient list. Yeah, from the aroma, you know, I'm getting some hops in there, but I'm also getting a bunch of malt to balance the beer out. You know, it is. Well, let's see. They use 
They employ late edition whirlpool hopback and dry hopping with this beer. Well, they try. They definitely try. Yeah, so the hops are not really dank, but they are kind of sticky. Kind of a sticky aroma on the hops there. Kind of, uh, I guess, uh, like a saturated cascade, right? Mm. Where you're like, you get a really thick cascade. It's like kind of, think of, um, Maybe like candied grapefruit peel or something like that. Yeah, I agree that the, the malt is, is coming through more on the aroma. You mm-hmm. get this. Yeah, it, the malt's really playing with it. I mean, it does not smell like a hop bomb. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste like one either. Yeah, I mean, there's hops. There's definitely a lot of hops in the flavor, but the malt's right along beside it. You know, mm-hmm. they're tag teaming. And... Uh, yeah, they're entwined, you know, and so you're getting, uh, so there's enough malt that it's kind of a, a sweet caramelly, mm-hmm. but you can't, now, knowing that there's Munich, I can definitely taste the Munich where it's a drier breadiness in there. Yeah. And uh, it's def- it, it de- does finish bitter. There's a lot of bitter on the end. Yes. That's where it piles up the bitter, but the hops are not really that standout-ish compared to the overall balance of the beer. They say they, they kept the same malt recipe proportions as loose cannon, pumped up to 22 Play-Doh from 16.5, and then doubled the hops. It's, uh... So the, the, when talking about Dries Play-Doh, it's basically the hmm. amount of saturation of sugars, right? Isn't that... Percent of dissolved sugars. Percent dissolved like sugars, that. yeah. What's the ABV on this thing? 9.5. It hides it well. It hides it well, but it's also the point of the show where, like, I just felt like I got mainlined. Like, it just, like, kind of, like, <laughs> had this rush to the head. So, like, something is, like, like I'm getting this, like, whoosh of, like, yeah. hey, there's some alcohol. Well, I mean, we did start pretty low. Yeah. And, you know, we hit the, the two high ones at the end. I had a lot to eat, so I'm... Right. Uh, no, just like that yeah. sip. I got that, you know, when you get that whoosh, <laughs> like where the it's finally in your blood. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it hit, it yeah. hit your brain for that first time. That's what I got. So, I mean, this doesn't go against your expectations of heavy seas. There's still, this still feels more malt forward than anything yeah. else. Yeah, this is, yeah, I, I think that uh, look, my expectations weren't. Put down, putting it. No, down. you were. Where's negative? It was, it was just. An, I said, you know, I, I think of an English pedigree when I yeah. think of of the the beers that Heavy Seas puts out, and if this is their hoppy one, and they put that much Munich mm-hmm. into this beer, then yeah, I mean, they want uh, they want a balance. They want an English style, yeah. and I'm not saying I wasn't saying that was a bad thing, but when the beer reps like, are you sure? You know, taste this. You know, yes, okay, I've tasted it now, and. I was kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I appreciate what Heavy Seas is doing. I mean, I appreciate that they're they're offering because you can't get many double IPAs that have this much malt in them. No. Yeah. So oh, I don't want. I also don't want to sound like I'm disappointed that this beer is not hops and water yeah. hop bomb. I'm, I'm enjoying this beer. Maybe a little too bitter. I think the the lingering bitterness is very. 
It's a lot on this beer. Yeah. It's a more it's a lot more than many. The I really like the upfront malt. Mm-hmm. I like the, the the real sweetness that it gives you. It does, yeah, it does end a little bit bitter, but if you're drinking this at a bar, I think you'll be fine. You know, you have have a burger with this, it'd be great. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure I love the Munich and the hops. I'm not sh- maybe different common different hops go with Munich or different multi grain goes with Cascade and Chino- or in- and Simcoe. I-, I don't feel that it's meshing super well. That's interesting. Why not? Um, cause the so Munich is you know less sweet than caramel malt, right? Kind of like a white bread crust flavor. And so you're taking some sweetness away from the bitter balancer that the caramel malt and the pale malt typically do. Uh-huh. And so you're going from bread crust into, think of what, just going from white bread crust to Swiss chard. You know, where you go from that drier, you know, right into something that's fairly bitter. Mm-hmm. And that transition right there, that's kind of what's bugging me. Hmm. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I I almost feel like toning down the hops would make this beer better. Toning down the bitterness and bring in a sort of an upfront right. English style IPA. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd be curious to see how the Munich plays in something that's yeah. less bitter. Uh, but yeah, that's just what I'm, where I'm yeah. feeling about it. The, I think it's it's overall a nitpick. I think you know, just talking about preferences. I, yeah, the beer is true, but I, I do feel like there's a discongruity between the opening malt and then the ending bitterness. Yeah, it does feel like sort of two different beers in a sense. Yeah, I think there could be a better platform for this yeah. much hops. Agree. All right. Well, you know what time it is now. It's ranking time. Rankin time. Okay. We have five beers here tonight. From the bottom. Let's start with the Bell's Midwestern Pale Ale. It was exactly six months old. That beer has a six-month shelf life. So, (laughs) um, you know, could have been a little fresher. But it is what it is. It, It didn't taste stale. I don't, the hop fading, if it was there, was not readily apparent, but it was just a basic beer. Uh, fine to drink when you're thinking about other things, but when you're thinking about beer like we are, it's it's going to have you yes. know, a hard time standing up with, with the rest of the beers in the show. In fourth place, I'm going to put the double cannon from Heavy Seas. It just, Greg said, I think you said incongruity, right? It, it didn't really have this nice mesh and and was really bitter at the end. I think they could have found a better platform for their double IPA mm-hmm. than just, you know, boosting their single IPA. And they could have gone something a little more modern double IPA. Yeah. Where this kind of has a feel of um, eight, ten years ago double IPA. Right. Um... Gonna put the Southern Tier in third place. The citrus, three citrus peel out. It was good. I mean, but it was not very beery. 
And while I enjoyed the fruit juice flavors in there, I, I'm not going to rank it very high because mm-hmm. it wasn't very beery. It's it's a fine drink, but it it kind of I think it may compete more with the hard alcohol pops, the hard sodas, than it may compete with citrus IPAs. I think you're right. I agree. And uh, that puts second place is the emergent white IPA from Boulder. Um, which was interesting. I wanted more hops in that beer, but it did have the Belgian yeast. It had the coriander in the wheat and a fair amount of hopping. And it was an interesting beer. And then first place beer is going to be the, the wimpy little nut brown from Ale Smith. Uh, that beer was the first beer we drank. And it's probably the lowest in alcohol that we drank. Well, yeah, 5.0% yeah. by 5.0 there. But it has they, such... they do have the gall to call it on their website sessionable. <laughs> jerks those jerks but oh it had that nuttiness it had that roasty caramel it had a creamy full mm-hmm. body it tasted like a cascale out of a bottle it was just really good uh you know I, I wrote down my rankings before you and we matched exactly okay uh, i there you said it all essentially exactly as i would say it that ale smith was really really good and it uh it it, it I de- I'd definitely get a six pack of that just to drink oh, yeah. around town. It stood out from the rest of them. It it, it definitely made itself, uh, I think, the the king of this particular pack. And and I think of that compared to some of the other, like twelve ounce bottles of Ale Smith. Yeah, that, that's pretty high up there. I mean, yeah, you know, even comparing it against IPA. Sure. Especially, you know, I know it doesn't come in a 12-ounce, but especially against their Wee Heavy and some of the other ones, that's really good Ale Smith. I think that one of the lessons that hopefully we can impart from this is uh, those, if you if you have a, a place around you, you can get a mixed six-pack, do it. You never know what you might find. Uh, and we found a really good go-to beer, I think, here. Um, yeah, it's a freaking nut brown. Yeah, it's a nut brown, and you you, know, you just pass it normally, and now you try it, and you're like, well, I need to get some more of that. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you, everyone, for tuning into the show. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, the best way to do that is via Twitter. You can hit us up at Craft Beer Radio, at Jeff Bear. At CBR Gray. You can also use email to contact us. That is beer at craftbeerradio.com. And if you're in Philly for the CBC, and if you hear this, I will be there starting Friday around noon. Probably have to do some family stuff until the evening. And then uh, Friday night, Saturday night, I will going to be out on the town, so watch me on Twitter. I'll tell you where I'm at. It'll be Friday the 6th of May. Yes. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone.